Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Kenya upstages the field at the Singapore Sevens. Fiji handed a daunting Olympic football draw. And Papua New Guinea's first PGA Tour golf event prepares to tee off. But first, Tonga's rugby union and the Tongan government have agreed to a package of reforms with World Rugby designed to address ongoing governance concerns within the union. The agreement followed a series of meetings in Nukualofa, setting out to deliver a solution regarding a number of unresolved administration and governance issues, the union's debt and outstanding legal cases. The agreed strategies include a 10-year tripartite funding agreement, the establishment of a joint management committee, the re-establishment of the Tonga National Rugby Academy, and investment to facilitate the reinvigoration of competitions in the outer islands. The interim chair of the TIU, Fia Vunipula, says it's a good result for rugby in Tonga. The priority is to cover the debts from Carinet, which is in the order of 300,000 Tongan per annum. And, you know, uh, it's the priority to get it sorted and to allow this uh, three-party agreement process to proceed. So yeah. the government's going to pay for the Carinet debt? Yes. And, and that leaves the debt with Mount Smart Stadium. Will that be covered as well? Yeah, it, it will be covered. By the government? Yes. Okay, so that will free up the debt. Um, the other issue, of course, was uh, World Rugby had frozen its funding to the Tonga Rugby Union since the start of the year as a result of uh, their concerns, and, and that's part of why this meeting was held. Um, have you had assurances from World Rugby that that funding will be released to the TAU as long as you fulfil these requirements? Yes, we received the tripartite um, agreement last week, so we're looking at the... Um finalising things and, you know, and, and signing it so that we will proceed, you know, and for them to uh, release the funds that we need to um, run the uh, the game here. And so the release of that funding, that three months' worth of funding or so, that will allow you to pay the Tonga Rugby Union staff that have been working, you know, without income for the last few months? That's correct, yes. And, uh, and part of the issue was that obviously last year your administration sacked a whole bunch of World Rugby staff that they pay for. So what happens there? Uh, how do you go about fulfilling those positions, the high-performance role, the vacancy for the CEO? Obviously uh, you're due to name a Nikaletahi coach soon. You're not with a permanent sevens coach at the moment, all those sorts of positions. How do you go about filling those and, and, and funding those positions? Uh, please let me uh, correct your, your statement. We didn't sack them. We didn't renew their contract. Their contract runs out. It's only the, uh, the, the sevens aside coach that we sack, you know, suspended, uh, temporarily because of what he did. I don't want to discuss his case, but it's with the police. But all others, the ICEO, interim CEO was interviewed, not only by me, but there were six panelists who interviewed him and he was found not suitable to continue. So his contract was terminated. But, you know, he was only interim. For the high-performance manager and head coach of Igalitahi, their contract went out. And because of not achieving their KPI, the board decided not to renew their contract. We didn't sack them. We did everything in accordance 
with the uh, their contract and with our constitution. And I think people got it wrong. And it's bad for our representation, you know, to say that we set people. Because we didn't. We do everything within the book. We ask for their review. And they, they have a part in not reviewing their contract. But, you know, for you to say that we sacked them, and, and for people to say that we sacked them, it's wrong. Because we didn't sack them. So I want to put it on record, you know, we didn't sack them, man. Through various parties, there still seems a, uh, I guess, a disagreement in terms of um, why the funding from World Rugby was withheld. Because on one hand, we've got, obviously, the comments about the debt, well, but then on the other hand, well, we've got comments you know, about um, the staff. Well, in according to uh, to our record, what they say, the funding was withheld because of the bills, because of the debts and, you know, all these court cases. The Tonga Rokki Union is in receivership since October of last year. There's a reason behind it. The reason you, you, you're giving me is wrong because it was never on record. They never told us that. So how can, how can I say that uh, it's part of the, the reason for freezing the, uh, the money? Maybe it's... Uh, you're right, but we don't know because uh, on, on our record, there's nothing mentioned on that. So World Rugby said to you they have frozen, they froze the funding because the union was in receivership because you were in debt. Yes, that's what we have in re- on record. You know, they, they never say men, mention anything about our, our management of of our high performance and our head coach position. So in terms of that agreement for us, so we've got the ten year tripartite that you mentioned. Uh, so part of that is the establishment of a, a joint management committee and uh, the re-establishment of the National Academy and obviously a restructure of the uh, development uh, investment uh, in, in the country. So maybe just talk a little bit about what that's going to mean. Well, I think it means a lot. It means um, helping out with the local competitions, the outer islands and, and in Tonga as well, and setting up this rugby academy, which I think we are in desperate need of, of having one. You know, just to um, make sure that the conveyor belt is, is is moving, and you know, and we are supplying and providing the players that we need, other than relying on on sending our younger young players to New Zealand and Australia for their rugby school. But uh, I think it's all good for us going forward. It's positive for Tongan rugby. The money that's required to uh, establish this academy again and to uh, invest uh, in these outer islands and the competitions like that, is that additional funding to what World Rugby had previously been providing? Are they going to now offer more money or is the government going to help with this or is this part of the funding that had been frozen that's now going to be released? Will that be able to fund these sorts of programs? Something is still in progress. So um, haven't been confirmed. So there's an agreement that these things will happen, but how that happens is, is still being worked out. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, so in terms of this uh, joint management committee with uh, World Rugby staff, government staff and, and the union, you know, we talked about those positions and, and you said that some of those were not renewed uh, and therefore I guess they need to be filled. So what, what what's the um, status of finding a new CEO, finding a new high-performance manager and obviously an ikaletahi coach and, and stuff like that? Is that in the works? We are currently doing the short listing of uh, candidates for the head coach position, which is our priority. And hopefully, uh, by the end of this week, we will have the exact candidate and you know and go into interview. We're looking to uh, confirm the appointment by the end of the month, so that you know the coach will start. The other, the other high performance staff, the high performance manager, the rest of the coaches and the management position, will be carried out by the. Uh, joint management committee, as you say, so which will be done at a later date. You know, once the JNC is established and appointed. That's the interim chair of Tonga's rugby union, Fe Avunipula.
Kenya have won the Singapore Sevens title in sensational fashion, beating Fiji 30 points to 7 to lift their first ever cup title. Despite losing to both Kenya and Samoa over the weekend, Fiji managed to extend their lead at the top of the World Series standings to 8 points, with two rounds remaining in Paris and London. Samoa won their second plate title of the season, scoring twice in the final two minutes to beat New Zealand 26-21. It was the Manu's first victory over the All Black Sevens team since 2012. Head coach Damien McGrath says Singapore was a bright spot after the disappointment of their performance in Hong Kong. Obviously we've been stronger, but an opportunity missed really. We didn't do ourselves justice in Hong Kong. Made two in many areas. Uh, I think it's been documented before we finished top of the error count in Hong Kong and, and across the whole season we were the team that made the highest errors. We made a conscious effort to uh, eradicate those this weekend and lo and behold we had some success. So it was a pleasing way to finish. Yeah, I think you've played Fiji in your pool about four times in the last five tournaments and, and now a couple of wins there and uh, obviously New Zealand first one in four years. So um, I, I know we've talked before about you know the team's capable of pulling off these game, these results and one-off fixtures but to get two big results in a tournament like that must be encouraging. It is. It's the consistency that we're, we're searching for. I have every confidence in the players as a group that, they, you know, when things go right, they're, uh, they're a match for any team. I'm not saying we're cup winners every time, but we can certainly uh, hold our head up when we play the right way. And I think these two legs probably um, give a, a better example of, of how the Samoa team is at the moment, where, you know, in Hong Kong, we, we made too many errors and showed flashes of brilliance. Then went on to Singapore, where we were consistently good throughout the uh, the two days, and unlucky not really to, to progress further in the cup. But where we are, the players are, are amateurs; they're, they're getting used to a professional approach. And I'm hopeful that as time goes on, we'll we'll get that consistency that we're searching for. When you see a team like Kenya, um, obviously go on and, and win their first cup title, something Samoa's done plenty of times before. Uh, do you look at that and think, you know, well done for them? But do you sort of think, well, why isn't that, that us sometimes? Us. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes and no. I think Kenya are a bit further down the track in terms of their players' development. But we're a young team, we're confident, we've got some really talented individuals uh, and we're coming together as a team. The whole year's been around this Olympic qualification, which is a, not a millstone around our neck, but it's been there in the back of our minds. And we've, we've used the World Series to, to build up and build up. And I'm pleased with the progress and where we are at the moment going into what is now the next crucial two months for, for the team and for rugby and Samoa. How does that event uh, in Monaco shape the next sort of couple of months? Obviously, you've got two more World Series tournaments, London, Paris, uh, in May, and that big event's going to be in June. Do you have anything else around that, or are you just effectively using these two World Series events as your main preparation? We'll start in earnest at the beginning of next week, and that, and it's all building towards uh, the 18th of June. The World Series legs that come up in Paris and London are... We'll put competitive teams out, but it's it's all about preparing for what comes in June. We're only a small squad, so we want to make sure we keep our, all our players fit and healthy. We've got to get over a fairly grueling travel schedule, you know, to go all the way to Europe with it, with all that entails in terms of the jet lag. Come all the way back to virtually turn around and do the same again. So that's my biggest worry at the moment, as opposed to the rugby side, which I'm pleased with the progress we're doing. You've spoken obviously in the past about the hope that you know some higher profile names might be available for Monaco. Is is there any opportunity to? No, none at all. The union have investigated that, and it's been an ongoing thing. I don't want people to think we haven't tried, but uh, you know the, the teams in Europe, where most of our players are, are based, have, have been very uncooperative and, and not given us any help whatsoever, which is really disappointing I think for rugby in general but you know it is what it is I've every confidence that the boys that we've got here can take us through So you've got players that are in Europe that would like to play for Samoa in that tournament but because of their clubs they can't 
yep, we've investigated all the names that would probably come to mind for any Samoan rugby fan, and the clubs have, have made it clear that they won't release. They have to release it for the week of the Olympic tournament, but seventh rugby now was, I think, the Sonny Bill Williams, Liam Messon, Brian Havana, Craig Cooper will tell you, developed so far that you can't just step in from 15s. You need several weeks to prepare. And even though the season in England for some of our players finishes at the beginning of May, the teams won't release them, which you know is disappointing. It, it, it really is. So they're not legally required to release them for... No, that's the thing. The clubs hold all the aces. And uh, in times past, we've got to look at maybe in the future, rather, looking at past putting clauses in players' contracts that they, they can be released for such high-profile events. But that's something that's uh, outside my remit. So it's, uh, it's disappointing, but you know it is what it is. If you do qualify for the Olympics, as you sort of say, it takes a while to get up to speed. So would that make it even more unlikely that they would come in at the last minute if you were successful? I think so, because uh, you know as time ticks by, it's making it more and more difficult. And, it, and it, it, you know, by the grace of God, we qualify in the middle of June. By the time we get back to Samoa, it's the beginning of July, and it's only four weeks to, you know, to the Olympics. Time's, time's catching up, so I would think it'd be virtually impossible you know, that we, we could get them in. I, I guess the flip side of that is you've been working with these local players the entire season. Those are the guys that you're going to have to back, so I guess that gives them confidence. Absolutely. They've proved um, in this last time with Fiji New Zealand and Fiji in Vegas. These players, for all their, their lack of their professional background and their, you know, their amateur status, they've proved that they can punch way above their weight. And, and the longer they're involved and the longer you know, they get the chance to condition with our staff, you know, the better they get. So I have every confidence. It would have been nice to have you know, some of our big names available, but it's not a big issue to me now. Samoa Sevens coach Damien McGrath. Fiji admit they face an almighty challenge after being drawn against footballing giants Mexico, Germany and South Korea for their Olympic debut in Rio later this year. The team completed a six-game tour of Spain in January and head to Brazil later this month for four more matches. Fiji football's national team's director, Taranesh Reddy, says they faced a tough task but says anything is possible. This is the first time that a Fiji team has qualified for the Rio Olympics and it's a big challenge and uh, we're looking forward for it. We know it's going to be a huge task ahead of us, but uh, nothing is impossible. We have been preparing the team for the last couple of months and um, we are in our final stages and we're going to Brazil next week for our two-week tour. You are always going to come up against, I guess, one of the global powers of the game. Uh, Mexico are the defending Olympic champions, as it so happens, and Germany obviously world champions in the senior uh, men's, so uh, very exciting. You, you could be coming up against some genuinely world-class players. When we qualified from the Oceania region, we knew that there will be teams uh, we were participating with, will be big teams and uh, coming from big countries. We expected that, uh, we knew that we will be in this kind of situation, and we were prepared for it. Those teams in there are well-prepared, well-polished, bigger sides, but I mean, uh, that's all part of the game, and we looking forward for that and uh, we are preparing very well for that. What mindset do you take into this tournament? Obviously these games are going to be tough but you want to make sure you're competitive as well and do the Oceania region proud and, and justice and show that you know they can be competitive? It's going to be huge games. I mean, we are preparing well for that and we hope that we'll give uh, the teams in our pools a good run. We understand that we cannot run away from the facts but these teams are big teams and uh, you've got to prepare well if you want to compete with them. And uh, we are uh, doing the same. And as part of those preparations, Taranesh, obviously the team uh, went to Spain earlier this year and uh, you head off next week to go to Brazil, which of course is where the Olympics are being held. So, uh, you know, to get a few matches there, to be on tour again in that environment, an ideal preparation. Yes, yeah, so we went, we took the team to Spain for, for three weeks tour 
and uh, we learned a lot of things. The Spain football is bigger than religion there. So we had a great exposure in Spain. Then again, we're going to Brazil where uh, we are preparing to play teams uh, and get exposed. The most important thing for us is to expose our players to that level of football and those countries. So this is the reason we have spared towards Spain and we are touring Brazil now. And once we come back, then we'll finalize the squad. And uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll be exposing some more players from this Olympic team in the Nations Cup in Papua New Guinea. How many games will the squad have in Brazil? We'll be playing four matches up in Brazil. And you just mentioned there the Nations Cup, of course, is coming up uh, next month in May. Uh, how yes. does that work in with the preparations? Obviously, you'll have some players that will be involved with both teams, and then somebody like Roy Krishna is going to take a bit of a break, go to the Nations Cup, and then link up with the Olympic side after that. So do you see that as something that works in well with Olympic preparations? Yes, very much. We have already started to prepare the national team for the Nations Cup. So we have planned that 50% of the squad to the Nations Cup will be from the Olympic team squad. We've got a mixture of players uh, in the Nations Cup. Uh, we're playing New Zealand the first game on 29th. And uh, once we come back from the Brazil tour on the 8th, we'll straight away go into preparation uh, for the Nations Cup, which is starts end of uh, May. Yes, Roy Krishna is in the country. He is around. He will be part of the team from uh, next week. He will not be going to Brazil uh, with the Olympics team, but uh, definitely he will be there for the Nations Cup and come Rio Games. That's the Fiji Football National Team's director, Taranesh Reddy. 36 locals are scheduled to tee off in the opening round of the Papua New Guinea Golf Open in Port Moresby this week. After many years as a successful Pro-Am event, this year marks the first time the tournament will be a fully-fledged event on the Australian PGA Tour. The event has a purse of 140000 Australian dollars, while world ranking points are also up for grabs. The bulk of the 109 strong fielders from Australia, including the winner of last week's Morobi Open in Ley, Damien Jordan. They have it as a spiritual event. Uh, definitely a bit more incentive uh, for a winner's category and, uh, and ranking points and uh, so on from that, yeah. And uh, for yourself, coming in uh, fresh from Lay, having won the uh, Morobi Open, uh, do you feel like you've got some uh, good form to fall back on and, and give yourself a chance this weekend? Definitely got the heat conference after last week. It's obviously this week's different, but um, yeah, just trying to uh, use momentum I got from last week and uh, see how I go from there. In a general sense, how do you feel your game is going at the moment? What are you working on? Well, last year I was probably about 10 kilos heavier than what I am now, so I went home last year, I'll start this year and uh, really trained hard and dropped the weight and worked with my coach fairly hard to, to get back here to, to get myself in the positions I did. But I didn't really expect it to, to, uh, to come that soon, but yeah, just got to take it when I come. Have you had a chance to look around the golf course, the Royal Port Moresby Golf Club, and, and get an idea of what you guys are in for? I played nine holes with one of the uh, travelling partners yesterday, Daniel Fox, so uh, yeah, I always pick his brain as much as I can and it seems to work for me. And uh, obviously with this being a rankings event, with this being now a tour event, uh, uh, a much stronger field. Um, how many people there do you think are capable of winning it? Are there some names that stand out? Oh, definitely, mate. For the blokes today, there's, there's too many blokes here that are that good that can take this out. So it's just, obviously, if someone has that good week where putts fall in and uh, they keep the blemishes off the card, you know, it can be anyone in this field, really. And I guess uh, one of the uh, good things uh, for the region about, you know, adding this to the PGA Tour, having an event in PNG just like there's one in Fiji now, is that, uh, you know, of the field, 109 or so golfers... Um, You've obviously got a fair few Australians in there, a couple of Kiwis, but uh, I think 30-plus Papua New Guinean golfers, uh, something like that, uh, you know, in the field. So it's a real opportunity for the locals as well. 
it surely is, yeah. You know, it's, it's a great opportunity for them to get to play with the pros. Obviously, you only come up here once a year, but just to see the you know looks in some of their faces, you know, when you hit shots or whatever, and you know, they love it. They love having us here, which is which is great as well. Do you guys get a chance to have a bit of downtime, maybe just to chat, you know, even on the side of the course uh, with some of these locals that I guess, as you say, don't typically get this opportunity? Yeah, definitely, mate. We run the clinics and uh, the junior pro and stuff like that as well for the tournaments. But yeah, well, you know, when you finish your round, obviously that's your downtime as soon as you finish and try and help out as much as you can while you can. That's the Australian golfer Damien Jordan who's competing at the PNG Open. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.